0: You for that warm welcome. Uh, it's good to see you guys today. And I want to just tell you straight up, I'm wrecked. I'm I don't know where this is going today, but hey, to God be the glory. So um, I heard the story. I'll just start off with a story. I heard the story of a young man who uh, was just getting ready to move out of his house and, you know, saving money, preparing getting ready to move out, and and, uh, so he found this place and um, secured it and had to buy all kinds of stuff, furniture, various things to get into his first home. He ended up having also to buy a refrigerator, and that refrigerator, after getting it into his apartment, um, he, he was just so excited. This was his place. And he stocked that refrigerator with all that stuff that he couldn't have in his home, you know, soda and goodies and, and all kinds of stuff that he just wanted to have. This was his place. He was going to do it his way. And uh, he was very, very excited. So he, um, after stocking the refrigerator, he he uh, went to bed. It was late at th- late in the evening, went to bed and, and woke up the next morning and, and was just going to get something to eat. And he found that when he, when he reached for a drink, it was warm. When he went to grab some food, it, it had spoiled overnight. The milk and, and all that stuff that he had purchased, something was wrong. So frustrated, angry, he calls the, he calls the uh, appliance store that he bought this refrigerator at and, and says, there is something wrong with this thing. And the the, the man on the other end of the phone says, well, I want you to open the door and see if the light comes on. And uh, this young man, he's just frustrated. I can't believe you guys sold me a a broken refrigerator. My stuff's spoiled. This is a mess. He opens the refrigerator. The light's not on. The appliance guy uh, tells him, I want you to put your ear near the refrigerator to hear, is the motor running? No, the motor's not running. He said, I want you to go in back of the refrigerator and see if it's plugged into the wall. Sheepishly, the young man responds that, uh, no, it's not plugged into the wall. But I spent so much money on this thing, it should work anyway. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we've been in the series called Heroes. And today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. And in reality, we think that things should work absent sometimes or ignorant of his presence. The reality is we absolutely need his presence in our lives. And I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, who he is, uh, what he's doing. um, Because in reality, without, without the Holy Spirit, there is no Christianity. There is no church. There is no hope. We we're just we're just done. You know what I mean? We are done without him. And sometimes through ignorance, we've we've come to conclude, well, I can survive without him. I don't need him. Uh, sometimes weird things happen in association with him. And maybe some of us in this room have been taught that, uh, you know, don't mess with the Holy Ghost. You know, we we hear that terminology. Don't mess. With the Holy Ghost so so there's a lot of confusion if I could be honest with you Related to the Holy Spirit, and I just want to set the record straight today. I want to I want to talk about him I want to honor him today because let me tell you something I was I was uh, We we had gotten back from vacation and, And I was just seeking the Lord about some of the heroes of the New Testament that um I was going to prepare for and, and talk about. And I felt him say to me, aren't I a hero in the New Testament? He was not on my list, to be honest with you. And I quickly said, yes, you are the hero. You are one of the greatest heroes. You and Jesus in the New Testament. And so, you know, he he's often overlooked. He's often Uh, misconstrued, misunderstood, and, you know, maybe through our experiences that we've had or experiences that we've been around people um, that we've seen, this whole misunderstanding is even blown even greater out of proportion. So I really want to talk to you today about him, Um, and I want to start off looking at this, this verse in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, my message today is called the Holy Spirit and his baptism, the Holy Spirit and his baptism in Acts 19 verse 1 and as you're looking that up, if you have a smart device, the notes should be right there in the uh, church app that we have, you can follow along the outline of the message, there's some notes in there as well. Acts 19, verse 1, it says this, while, while Apollos was at Corinth, Apollos was one of the leaders being raised up in the New Testament church. Corinth was a place that the church had expanded to. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, another place that the the, the, uh, the gospel had reached and just made dramatic change in that city. It's, so he 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 goes to Ephesus, and there he found some disciples and asked them, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" They answered, "No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit." And we could see even through this passage that there's there's just the seeming level of ignorance or misunderstanding related to the Holy Spirit. So. I want to talk to you today and and make him known and make this practical, and make this easy. That's that's my job. Make this easy. Make him desirable because in the real in reality he's an amazing, uh, amazing part of the Trinity, and I want you to get to know him. I, I want you to encounter him. I want you to experience him, because he'll change your life forever. Um, so. In reality, this is, this is where some of the confusion comes in. We talk about Holy Spirit baptism. And the word baptism is used a lot in the New Testament in various ways. Um, the, the word baptism is used in the context of salvation. When people get saved, it's, it could be also, you read the scriptures, it could also be uh, worded in the scriptures as baptized into Christ Jesus. And that's that's the born-again experience. That's the salvation experience. That's when people get saved. I think some of the confusion is that there's so many different ways to to, uh, term these things. But being baptized into Christ is being saved. Then there's the experience of water baptism. right? Many of us have been water baptized. Uh, The experience of water baptism is prominent in the New Testament. And then there's this, this, this verse that is used to describe Jesus in Acts chapter 1. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. this is, these are Jesus' words. It says, for John, John the Baptist, who we'll talk about next week, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we see three different baptisms, and it can be very confusing. Well, I've I've got one, and she's got two, uh, but none of us have number three, or, yeah, I got it all, you know. I've got all the goods that God has for me. And and there's just confusion. What does that mean? And so my hope is to clarify some things for you in in the few minutes that I have with you Today, Um, I want to show you just an example in the book of Acts, how the three are mentioned um, as it relates to new believers coming into um, a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter eight, we find this passage as the church is growing, it's expanding beyond Jerusalem. People are scattered because of persecution and things like that. And, and so they're, they're scattered and, and they leave Jerusalem for their, for their physical safety. As they're leaving Jerusalem, they go to various places. And the Bible tells us that they go and they're not silent. They're, they're sharing the gospel. They're telling people about this amazing message of salvation. They're excited. They're changed. You know, I begin to think, you know, what would happen if persecution or something would happen to Christians in today's Uh, experience in america i I think it'd be easy for us to shut down and shut our mouths but the early church would go and they would no matter where they went they were carrying the gospel they were proclaiming the gospel and people were getting touched by this gospel they were being uh their lives were being transformed it was it was changing people it was it was amazing so in acts chapter 8 this gentleman named philip this guy named Philip. He wasn't even a part of the original apostles or disciples. He was just a disciple that um, was recognized as someone who was who was powerful, who had the Holy Spirit on his life, and, and God was doing great things. He went. It says in Acts chapter five, excuse me, Acts chapter eight, verse five. He went down to a city in Samaria. He went to Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. And there's, there's something I want to point out right there. They heard him and they saw what he was doing. You see that? See, the gospel of the kingdom is not just about words. Paul writes, I came to you with not just with wise and eloquent words, but I came, with you with a de- I came to you with a demonstration of power. And, and so they're hearing Philip. Philip's preaching and talking to people that he never met before. He didn't know. And he's just saying, you know what? Uh, it, it, I- I've got something to tell you. There's something amazing that you need to know. And, and he began to declare about this Messiah, this Jesus who saves, who, who wants to be in relationship, who, who restores us our, uh, us to the Father. And because of what he accomplished his, his death, burial, and resurrection he 's alive, and we can be alive in him, and our relationship with God could be vibrant because we no longer have any sins in our lives jesus Jesus has taken them away and, and there 's this excitement I could just see it there 's this excitement and, and passion in his voice it 's sort of like i 've got this brick of gold, and, and I want to share it with you you know i 've got something that is of, of, of immense worth, and, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing what I have, and I, I just want to give it out to all who want some of it, you know? And he's declaring the gospel, and signs are, are happening. Things are happening. Powerful things are happening in his midst. And it goes on to say in verse 7, as they were hearing him and seeing what God was doing through his life, it says, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? That would, that would open your eyes a little bit, wouldn't it? It would be like, oh my goodness, what in the world is happening? Especially if you've never seen that before in your life. That would, that would grasp your attention. You'd be, you'd, you'd be glued. Like the early church, it says when Jesus was teaching, they were astonished. They were amazed at the things he taught and the things that he did in their midst. And this is happening again here in Samaria. Keep in mind that Samaria was not a favored town, a favored country, right? I mean, when Jesus went through there, we're only talking maybe, uh, I don't know, a few years at max after Jesus walked the earth. When Jesus went through there, it was said that the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. You remember that? And so this was not a favored town, and yet God is on the move uh, in Samaria. Shrieks, impure spirits, that's, that's the enemy of our souls, you know, the devil, demons, who's opposed to us. Right? Some of us lay down and say, go ahead, have your way to him in our lives, and some of us stand up and fight. And the church is called to stand up and fight against the, the will of the enemy. Jesus has given us power and authority. That's why I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, because you've got a lot more power than you realize. You've got access to a lot more of what God wants to do through you than you realize. In verse 12, if you skip down to verse 12 in Acts chapter 8, the story goes on just to save time. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Now, there's two two words here that I want to focus in on, just to show you that there, there's there's these three baptisms. The first one, it's rather discreet, and you can just read over it. But when they believed, do you see that they believed? They believed God, or they believed the message of God. They were saved, in essence. That's saying when they were born again, when they believed the message, when. When they were saved, as Philip proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, they were baptized. you see that? So they, go, they get saved, and then they get water baptized. It's a pretty natural uh, sequence of events. And I'm pointing these things out. Maybe, maybe today you're sitting here, you, you prayed a prayer, you gave your life to Jesus, but you have yet to be baptized. You know, it's time to be baptized. Why? Not only is it a command... But we see this pattern in in the scriptures. They were baptized both men and women. Verse 14. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. Oh, my goodness. Samaria of all places. Well, these are the same apostles that saw Jesus go to the well in Samaria and impact an entire village. You remember that? John chapter 4. These are the same apostles that saw an entire village saved in a day. Because Jesus just took the time to love somebody that normally his kind, the Jews, wouldn't love. And it changed lives in that village forever. I think it was called Sychar, that town, that village. And so the apostles catch wind of What is going on in Samaria through this ministry of Philip? The Samaritans had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? So the first baptism, they believed. The second baptism, they were baptized, water baptism, believed, salvation, water baptism, it doesn't stop there, though. You see, they, they weren't left on your own. Okay, now you're born again. You're going to heaven. I'll see you guys later. But many of us have stopped there. Many of us have stopped pursuing all that God has for us. And, and my heart is that you, you encounter all God has for you. That, you. that you experience the reality of what God has done for you in his fullness. He has so much for us. He's so amazing. I was telling my wife, I don't know how I'm going to get through this message. I just don't. My heart is broken uh, in a good way. I'm just a little wrecked this morning. Um, Just moved by the presence of God uh, because he's so good. And so they, uh, Peter and John go to Samaria because they want the people there to receive the Holy Spirit. It's worth a trip for them. Do you see this? It's important to them. It's important to the apostles to say, we are going to plan a trip, whether they're walking, whether they're riding on donkey or horseback, we are going to take a trip because it's important for these new believers to have this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Do you see this? So they take a trip to Samaria, and it goes on to say in verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that, there may, that, they may receive, excuse me, that they may receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. I mentioned that before, but I'll mention it again. Baptism into the Lord Jesus or into the name of the Lord Jesus is salvation. And the apostles are like, there is more. Do you know there is more for us in this room today? There is more for us. And God, God is in the business of pouring out his goodness on our lives. God is in the business of making sure that his children have everything they need. I mean, he loves us so dearly. He, he's so passionate about us. And he doesn't want us to go without. He doesn't want us to lack. I contend that you you can't live the kind of Christian life that God has called you to live without the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's lack without him. And so the apostles thought it important enough to go to Samaria to make sure, and we don't know how many people were impacted by Philip's ministry, to make sure these people Received the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. And then it goes on to say in verse 17, Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? And and I I try and equate it to this, you know. um, The born-again experience, salvation, becoming a Christ follower, is is sort of like... um, you know, taking a glass of water, I'll equate it to this. you take a glass of water and you drink it, you drink it down. that water's on the inside of you. and there's no doubt in my mind when you become born again that you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you jesus said jesus said to the to the disciples that as he was trying to comfort them, uh, getting them ready for his departure john 14 he said uh, about the holy spirit that he will be with you and he will be in you you see that and and so the the salvation experience is related to or or uh, i guess equated to having having something like water on the inside of you however the baptism of the holy spirit could be equated to you going and getting into an ocean where the vastness of his presence, the vastness of his goodness, and I'm not trying to minimize salvation. It's a powerful, powerful experience. But so many of us stop there. I want you to see that the word baptized means to dip into or to immerse, to be surrounded by. And and Jesus was saying that in Acts 1, he is saying that you... You, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And like you were baptized in water, the Holy Spirit wants to. Uh, you know, this word may not be a popular word, but it, it is a it is a pr- an appropriate word in this moment. He He wants to clothe you. Jesus said, "That's not the word. The word possess comes to mind. You can be possessed by the Holy Spirit, and that's a good thing. You know." we think about possession in a negative term. Well, we need to know that the devil's a copycat. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And, and so we fear him and some words that are associated with his actions. The reality is the Holy Spirit wants to consume our lives. He, he wants He wants to reveal himself to us, pour His himself out upon our lives and, and do amazing things in our lives. And, uh, you know, I There's so much that I want to talk to you about today, but uh, there's I'm just sort of um, picking and choosing some things that the Lord's laying on my heart today um, as we move forward. So that is baptism. And you see in that small verse in Acts chapter, small passage, Acts 5 through 17, the three different baptisms that I alluded to. And and that, I think, is part of the confusion. And, And we think, well, I have been baptized. What what more is there? But God's word shows us there's so much more. There's so much more for those who believe God. Those, there's so much more for those who call upon the name of the Lord. So there's this thing called Holy Spirit baptism. It does not make people, one person better than another. Uh, in fact, I, I wrote it this way. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you if I'm filled and you're not. It doesn't make me better than you, but it makes me better than me. It makes me better than me. Why? Because God has a way of consuming and and taking over. And so I just want to talk about a few ways um, this morning how he does that and why it's important. I may be able to get to these few ways. Why do we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I'll give them to you, and then I'll talk about them. That way, if I don't get all the way through them, you'll know what they are anyway. If you're going through the notes, you can fill in the blanks. And that'll satisfy some of us in this room today, right? So why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The first one is he leads me. Why would I need it? He leads me into intimate relationship with him. Intimate relationship with him. This cannot be overemphasized or overlooked, and I'll talk about that. He empowers me to live supernaturally. That's the second point. And thirdly, he empowers me to fulfill his mission. There's, there's something of an empowering that God does in the process of baptizing us in the Holy Spirit to cause us to do and lead us to do something that we could not normally do and cause us to be something that we would never be on our own, no matter how hard we tried. No matter how hard we try, we cannot be who God has made us to be without his presence in our lives. And so there's something about an identity that's addressed, and that, that leads me to talk just a little bit about this intimate relationship piece no matter how much you try and gloss over the relationship part it will never go away you can pretend in christianity till you're blue in the face the reality is the fruit come from the relationship when you when it really comes down to it who you are the security of your identity is found through relationship when people are struggling all the time and they're doubting all the time and not knowing who they are to me that's a sign of a lack of intimacy with 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 the lord and that doesn't make a person bad it just means that there's a way to overcome that deficiency that has not been realized in that person's life yet you understand what i'm saying he leads us into an intimate relationship with us, with him. I'll share a verse with you out of the message. I like the way it's worded in the message. I normally only use the NIV here, but I do let you know if it's not the NIV. It doesn't, it doesn't say something different. It's just worded differently in the message. And it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, The extravagant love of God. You're going to see the Trinity in this. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ. That's the Son. The extravagant love of the Father or love of God. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the one who Jesus said is a comforter that would lead you, guide you, teach you, remind you of everything that jesus spoke about because he'll be with you and in you and he desires to be known he, he desires for us to grow in relationship with him and, and this is where my heart breaks because it's easy in this world and in this day to be satisfied we go to church on sunday you know, maybe there's another activity in the week. But we don't have much room for God outside of those times sometimes. And there's this, there's this desire, there's just this beckoning, there's this calling by God for an intimate relationship. Where, where we hear his voice, where we know his ways, where he reveals things to us, where he takes away our anxiety and stress, where, where we walk with him where we know how to find peace in our lives. There's just this amazing opportunity that we bypass or overlook because of expediency, because of, uh, you know, that's just one of the things I don't have time to do, you know. It's just one of the things that I, I, I have got so much going on and I'm so busy. But, oh, I could tell you that it is one of the most invaluable things you could ever have in your life. Is this relationship, this intimate friendship that Paul writes to the Corinthians about with the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He's not a mist. He's not a ghost. He's a person. I think sometimes, you know, we hear his voice and we know we hear his voice and we choose otherwise. Or... We, you know, we pass it off as, oh, that's just my crazy thoughts, because we don't know him well enough. It's easy to grieve him. And he wants us to know him. I think I'm just going to just land on this and stay here for the next two, three minutes, and then I'm just going to close. But the reality is, listen, we can go so far by devoting our lives to to being an intimate relationship with him. We can help people. We can thrive in our own walk. You got a struggle in your mind. You got a, a battle you're facing. You got you got things going on in your life. You can experience his power here and now, today. You, you can experience his nearness. Maybe it's peace you need. Maybe, maybe there's just like your your life is ruled by hopelessness or or you get so worried about every little thing. God's saying, you know, I've got the answer for you. I I want to be near to you. I, I can help you. They call me the helper. They call me the comforter. That's what Jesus referred to him as. The helper, the Holy Spirit. The comforter. And I'm not here trying to just focus on people's problems. I'm trying to focus on a solution. He wants to, he wants to, consume us. He wants our lives consumed with him. You may have been in the church for many years. You may be new to Christianity. It doesn't matter. He wants to fill you and fill you and fill you. He wants to touch your life. He wants to empower you to be successful. He would never ask you to do something that that you're unable to do and not give you a solution for it. And the things that he's called us to do are, are impossible go and make the disciples of all nations okay how do i do that i could come up with some wise strategies i'm a pretty smart guy sometimes you know i could i could strategize and think and 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 talk people into doing stuff but the reality is without his power i'm done he's got a mission for us to accomplish that's to bring heaven to earth how do we do that absent of him he he wants to empower us in the realm of the supernatural he said you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you that's his idea why why did he think it was so important that we receive power the bible goes on to say things like you know uh the same power that raised christ jesus from the dead lives in you why did he feel that was so important because he gave you an impossible mission. That's the answer to my question. And how are you doing with that impossible mission? He just he just wants more of us. He wants to consume us. He wants to inhabitate us or inhabit. He wants to possess us. He wants to have his way in our lives. And I know, you know, I don't want this message to make people feel bad. I want this message to cause hunger to rise in our hearts. We could stand on the outside of Christianity having gotten our foot in the door of heaven. And yeah, we'll go to heaven. I'm confident. You, you, can, you can go to heaven not having been water baptized. You can go to heaven not having been Holy Spirit baptized. But is really really, is that what we're going to settle for? We're going to settle for second-best, second-rate Christianity when there's a world that's broken, hurting, being swallowed up by the enemy. There's brokenness all around us. There's hurting people all around us. And God's grandiose plan is I want you to be a part of the solution. But you can't do it on your own. And I I need to consume you. And I need to work through you. And so today, I just want to close with an opportunity for us to just present ourselves to God again. I think, I think one of the greatest answers to Christianity's heart cry is surrender. You know, when I don't know what to do, I surrender. When I need more of God, I surrender. When my situation looks desperate, I look to God, and once again, I surrender. When I need a fresh infilling of God, when I need to be born again and give my life to God for the first time, I surrender. Because John said it so well, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. It's a profound truth that he landed on and he lived out. And my heart is today that we can live that out, you know? And so I just want to I just want to invite you if you if you're saying you know what I want to present myself to God today, I want more of Him. We have people that are prepared to pray for you that would love to just spend a, a a little bit of time praying for you and asking God to come and and touch you. I I haven't been able to in this short period of time talk about all of the theology around it, but the reality is who cares? You know, I mean who cares? There's books out there you could read. Go look on the internet. It's got it's loaded with truth, you know. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, now there is some good stuff on the internet, but some crazy stuff too. But I'm just today. I'm just I'm just saying who wants who wants more of God. Who who recognizes in their life, you know, there's something I need that I don't have, and there's no source. There's no person that could address my need. There's no person that could meet what I need. There's no person that could help me. I mean, they may encourage me. It may feel good to be encouraged, and encouragement's important, but the one who can transform my life, let's take it to him and say, God, I want more of you. God, I'm hungry for you. God, I don't necessarily fully understand this baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I want it, because if you said it was for me, and if you felt it was important enough to make it available to me, it's called the promise of the Father. I mean, come on, the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is an amazing hero. And he wants more of your life. And so I want to invite you to stand. If you're feeling led, you're welcome to come here. Maybe you just want to stay in your seat and, and receive what God has for you. There's no pressure at all today. But there's something special about, I don't know. I, I always found this altar to be a place where, where I could lay some parts of my life down and leave them there, you know, and never pick them up again. And just, just leaving what I've got and taking what God's got, the exchange that transforms forever so let's just wait on the Holy Spirit for a few moments. Ask him personally. Let's just be quiet before him. Ask him personally, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying? And what is it that you want me to do? Saying to me, Lord, thank you, Lord. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and dismiss our service, and we'll minister to people that want ministry. Let's just, let's just another moment or two. Just wait on the Holy Spirit to. you're here wondering what that was the bible talks about a tongue a foreign tongue an unknown tongue that comes with an interpretation because that unknown tongue doesn't make any sense to us so we need god to answer that so maybe the lord's prompting you to share what that means you're welcome to do that if you have something right where you're at. I'm going to pray to close the service. Just present yourself to God. God, I'm yours. I want more of you. Lord, I understand the three baptisms. I want all. I want all of that. All that you offer me. We thank you, God. I pray that you touch every person, God for what you have for us, God. Lord, you never meant for Christianity to be boring, complacent, not uh, uh, not infused with your power. And Lord, forgive us today if we've leaned on our own strength, leaned on our own understanding, God, when you've made yourself available, fully available to us. God, I pray that people would uh, receive a fresh touch, a fresh infilling today, God. Touch people right where they're at, God. As they spend time in your presence, Lord, that they would drink of your goodness. We thank you for what you're doing, God. I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you're feeling led to leave, we're closing this service. If you're here or thinking about coming up, to receive ministry we're going to have the ministry team come and pray for people so you're welcome to stick around but god bless you guys we love you